Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, just a reminder that March 3rd is going to be our official relaunch, I guess, on a new platform. So you'll have to look up this podcast by its name, Climbing Sycamores. It will not be part of the Victory podcast anymore starting on March 3rd. Yeah, Thank you I, for that reminder. I, I forgot. <laughs> I think that one of the reasons that we're trying to do that is, you know, some people prefer listening to just the sermons and then some people want to hear this and then and then you know maybe people are going to be just searching for victory sermons and some this is a very different conversation reaching a, a very different audience so we want to make sure that that was clear and clean and so yeah i'm Makes excited about that yeah. yeah good so i think today we we're going to just kind of talk about some tiktoks that are Hold on. Yeah. You guys made it through dry January? Yes. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> and then you made it through no no caffeinated yeah. unca- now yeah. have you gone back to caffeine just that just uh last friday we did yes and but since then you haven't been buying monsters yes, since, or since then i've gotten a cold and i'm sick so i i went i don't know i i'm suffering a weird kind of withdrawal maybe yeah. i don't know how about you are you are you back into old yeah, annie or no, i mean not really like okay. a little but like last night I had, I had actually, yeah, I had a beer. Okay. But you know, whatever. Okay. My new thing, uh, my new kick is a NyQuil before bed. <laughs> last three or Scissorp, four days. They call that oh on the streets. Goodness. Oh, yeah. That doesn't give you a good night's rest. It just sedates you. Yeah. And then you wake up like with a hangover. Yeah. I, I, it I doesn't do work. feel up really groggy. Yeah. I wake up feeling really you're groggy. Not, you're actually not getting into like the deep sleep state. I don't know. I go to sleep quicker, and I'm just trying to like get as much sleep sure. as possible okay. mm-hmm. to recover. You're not your usual energetic self. <laughs> no, <laughs> barely recognizable. Oh man! All right. So what, what are we talking about, Annie? Yeah. So um, just looking at some of my you know favorite social media platform, TikTok. Brought um, to you by China. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of people that are uh, working to deconstruct Christianity, and we've we've done a podcast like this before. Where we kind of take some examples of um, TikTok users and content creators that um, talk about their deconstruction journey mm-hmm. and why and why why it's happening. Um, but first, I kind of want to. So it, this kind of parlays off of that. Um, there is a, a content creator. He's a Korean Episcopalian priest. His name is Joseph Dot Yu, uh, Y O O as his is his username, and um, he's commenting on Sam Smith's recent performance at the Grammys. Sam mm-hmm. Smith is a pop artist, I believe, he's from the UK, um, and his latest hit is called Unholy. And so then the Grammy performance featured him and and the gal that he uh, performed the song with. And they're dressed in, you know, red and we've got the horns and the fire and there's red lighting and cage dancing. And it's really, uh, you know, devil looking and Mm -hmm. and what we, uh, you know, what we would think that the devil would look like. Um, And so this this Korean Episcopalian content creator, uh, he says because there's been a lot of backlash about, you know, about the Sam Smith performance. Uh, 
you know, is it, is it devil worship? Is it a satanic ritual? And people are commenting and, um, he brings up the point. He says, well, what looks more like the devil? And I, do you guys want to just hear the TikTok that he... Yeah, we'll play the TikTok. Play the TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, what looks more like the devil? Sam Smith doing what he did on the Grammys? Or the pastor telling the abused wife, hey, I'm sorry he hit you, but you need to pray for him and you need to forgive him and you need to go back to him because divorce is not an option. Or telling church people, hey, instead of spending money on your treatment for your illness, why don't you give that money to the church and God will bless you tenfold? Or how about the SBC discovering that over 700 victims were abused over the past 20 years? Why do we continue to make mountains out of molehills while we completely ignore the actual mountains that are in front of us? All right. Thank you. Uh, well, my first reaction is, is that the comparison that, you know, like all those things that he said in there are awful. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know why that would be the comparison. You know, it's like, it's like somebody getting in a car, dr- driving drunk and say, well, why are we concerned about drunk drivers when there's people who are shooting people out there? Like, well, both are bad um, and they both need to be addressed. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching a class on trauma right now. And for me, it's been probably almost a decade, uh, eight years or so, uh, that I've been doing this work where, uh, worked with a, a, a man who's really kind of the, on the front lines of, of prosecuting, uh, offenders and has been done a ton of work in educating. And he's a Christian, he's a Wells Christian, and he's one of the top guys, uh, uh, in that field. And he has taught me so much that, that after talking to, survivors over the years and after seeing how twisted perpetrators can be every one of my sermons to this day I put through a filter would this put unnecessary guilt on a victim and would this make a perpetrator feel off the hook like not Mm -hmm. call him accountable so it's awful to see that, you know, anywhere uh, in any industry and, and, you know, this, the Boy Scouts also had a big outcry mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. Of, of this. I mean, this is ubiquitous. I just heard a statistic that, well, the ACE, ACE score, and I shared this in the class, um, Adverse Childhood Experience Study, says that one out of four in the best neighborhoods, one out of four women have been sexually abused, one out of six men. And according to somebody who's at the class last night who's done a lot of work in this area and done a lot of studying, she thinks it's up to more like 80%. Um, and there's very, because so, so many people don't disclose. And these, again, are in the best neighborhoods. Now you go into some um, other, other neighborhoods where there's not as much supervision or things like that where, you, where, where things do get swept under the rug. So I, I don't know if it's a necessarily a religious problem. It is a human problem. And unfortunately, religion has been used to hide it and to um, sweep it under the rug. Uh, but, but I only morality of having some sort of idea of the image of God that humans deserve to be protected and humans deserve to be uh, have, have rights from God. That's the only answer out. I, yes, it's horrible. Yes, it's ubiquitous. Yes, it's been screwed up in all different ways, even inside of the church. But what is the way out? So that 
so bringing up those kinds of things really awful what, what's happened now and disclosed in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm, I'm, it sounds like they're taking some of the next steps uh, to respond to that, uh, all those victims. Uh, you know, we usually think of the Catholic Church has been known for sweeping the rug, but they've come a long way also in responding to perpetrators and putting up classes and, um, and help safety training, things like that. Uh, so it, it just seems like a silly argument for me. I think, I think the reason that he is, he's kind of using one against the other is that, um, um, well, first I'll start by saying that, that the song Unholy mm-hmm. is, is about a, an adulterous relationship. And basically it's like, you know, doing something unholy, mm-hmm. um, you know, stepping outside of the marriage and whatnot. And so I think the reason that he's drawing this kind of comparison or, or, or you know, uh, versus situation is the is, outrage. Is that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and it's, and it's coming particularly from, um, you know, people that are in, you know, in churches, conservative Christian groups and people, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you might find saying things like, I'm sorry that your husband hit you, but you're just going to have to forgive him. Divorce yeah. isn't an option or, yeah. um, I'm, you know, don't spend your money on the life-saving treatments, you know, give the money to the, to the church and you'll be blessed tenfold. And so I think that's why he's drawing that comparison sure. is because it's coming from the same, like the same audience and the same comment, you know, the same yeah. demographic of people who would comment. Sure. And so I just, I couldn't, I know there are some pastors who are naive out there who have not been trained or see or, or respond and I think biblically to to abuse, and it's really unfortunate. Um, it seems to be a caricature. I don't know. Maybe there. Well, I I know the disclosure of the the Southern Baptist Convention shows that there hasn't been a response. Um, I just don't know. Like here at at Victory and, and the pastors I know who would ever say that to a woman. Oh no, not here. No, 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 I'm no, just, no. I know. Yeah. I'm, I, but I'm just saying. You know. So I. Um. I guess the problem, I, I didn't know much about the, the Grammys. I just watched a little clip of it to get ready a couple seconds before we started here. My question with that video on the Grammys is, is it glamorizing Satan? Is it glamorizing uh, the unholy relationship? Is it, what art can do such a good job, you know, better than sometimes a, a book or a straightforward presentation, art of any medium of music or, or painting or dancer, theater, can show the horrors of what's wrong in the world and, and the destruction of our selfishness in a way that is even more powerful. But it also can twist things to glamorize something that doesn't need to be glamorized. Um, and so that, I guess that was my question. Is it, are we glamorizing Satan? Is, is kind of a... I, I don't take it that way. Okay. Um, I guess I could see how somebody might... But I, I think that, um, I, you know, I, I think that that's just, you know, that's a little in my head, a little too obvious for Satan, like to, to advance his uh, his work. You know, like I'm the big, scary red devil with horns instead of, you know, and then right. that's just so obvious and in your face. It's like over the top obvious that it's like not even being taken seriously in that regard, at least for, for me. Right. To the point where even I read that the Church of Satan was commenting like, meh, on the Grammy performance. <laughs> like they were just like, uh this doesn't even make sense really. And maybe, maybe that's the trick, you know, right. Maybe yeah. that's the trick. We're just, you know, but for me personally, I don't, I think there are bigger fish to fry and, and, and far more covert and hidden 
things that need to be taken care of. To me, this does not glamorize it. You know, is it is it tasteful? I you know I don't much care for it. I don't really like the song. I don't you know whatever. But yeah. I do think that we have more. I guess my problem is like, is it turning Satan into a kitty cat when he's called a ferocious lion? Like, are are somebody gonna watch and like, oh, this is funny. Let's just let's laugh about Satan. Isn't that funny? Look at he's wearing horns and and. That you know that comes out of kind of medieval the horns and all that kind of stuff kind of comes out of medieval art, uh, not at all a biblical idea of of real evil. I mean, talking about some of these things that 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 uh, TikTok dude was talking about the real evil of abuse, like that is satanic. Yes. Uh, t- so I wouldn't want anything to minimize how much Satan wants to create chaos and destruction and evil and harden hearts and uh, manipulate and the, the real wickedness that's out there. So I just, I don't think it's ever helpful to glamorize or, or minimize what evil actually does. And then even that song, like, yeah, I think Satan is behind that kind of stuff. You know, to, to have a person leave their family and do something unholy, you know, as the song says. So to to make it kind of a goofy production. Uh, I think it's so over the top. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense to me. Like, Right. I just, I want, I want us to be able to, C.S. Lewis says at the beginning of his book, Screwtape Letters, where he wrote mm-hmm. a whole book of, um, I think it's Wormwood writing to Screwtape, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, like a de- one of um, yeah, the devil's underlings writing to the devil himself, on how he tempts people. And, and at the beginning of the book, he says, you know, there's two extremes. Either you get so obsessed about the devil, you almost worship him, or you don't think care. he exists, or you don't care, and, and the devil's happy with you doing either of those. And I guess I think putting him, that, that picture, that idea out there center stage at the Grammys like that, like how are we supposed to respond to that? Like what, what is the art trying to get us to do? Is it supposed to get us to get angry about how the devil works and the kind of, or is it is it just, just trying to, to poke be, fun? Yeah, or to be controversial and create a, create a buzz, you know, yeah. which is I would argue not a great motive either. But I mean, it you know, it's it the worked, industry. I guess. I I really appreciate art that can talk about things that we can't even put into words to tell a message that's in line with the truth. Now, if if he was trying to say like, look at how the devil destroys families. Let's stay away from any of that garbage, and l- let's show how hideous this actually is. But I don't think that's what it was. I think it was kind of like cheeky, like why can't we dance with the devil kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know. So divided in the podcast, Matt. You want to be the tiebreaker? Come on, tiebreaker. Uh, I think it's a creative choice. I think it's nothing more than that. I think so. I, I agree with what you said. Like, I hope it's not trivializing something terrible, but I think it's I think it's just an artistic choice. I mean, a, but what's the message? I don't understand the message. Like, fire, hell. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he just likes to ride the line and make the audience guess. Or his producer or manager said, "This is what we're doing now," and he said, "Okay." Maybe he just wanted to make a big flash. Celebrities are not real people. They don't make real choices. <laughs> oh my goodness! They don't That's have wild. real consequences. I think what humans do goes back to the very beginning. We we turn 
evil into good and good evil. You know, so that example of saying doesn't matter if your wife or if your husband hits you, you have to go back to that. That's evil, right? Mm-hmm. To call good evil, um, to to put the devil on center stage and not make him look or portrayed as something we should run from and fight against. For me, that's turning evil into good and almost propping up. Mm-hmm. Um, Either, either in a trivialized way that like, oh, this isn't something we need to be scared about. It's not that big of a deal. Or look how, look, we're trying to get on. Like who, what bear was he trying to poke? Like why, I don't know why he'd be surprised that some Christians are are concerned that what we believe is something that's so evil is portrayed as not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. I don't think it does any, it, it, I don't think it helps in the public sphere to have too many Christians like try to stop this kind of stuff. Um, but if I'm talking to my kids or my family, like that's not how the Bible portrays the devil as somebody you, you could make, making a joke out of it. Um, I would stay away as much as you can. You know, th- the same way I wouldn't want to invite any kind of demonic. St- kind of presence into our lives and goof around with that. I mean, I think a lot of people goof around with that stuff. Right. And I, I mean, I agree with you completely. The devil is not, you know, this is awful. This is just not, you know, and I, and so I don't, on record, you're not for the devil. I, right. Right. <laughs> let's, okay. let's, let's clear that up. Yes. But I think, you know, I've always thought to myself, you know, the, the image of the devil that we so often see with the horns and the red and whatever the fire is, you know, if somebody walked up to you looking like that and was like, Hey, come hang out with me. You'd be like, nah, man. But if but the devil is much more crafty sure. than that. And so yeah. I feel like I am able to separate the two and I'm more concerned about the craftier ways that Oh yeah, me too. He, you know, that he's getting and he's very you know, it's very real and I think it it's you know, not to be taken yeah. lightly. But for me, over the years, I feel like this is my primary ministry. What he was talking about in there, like the person who is being beaten or abused or has gone through that and is dealing with the trauma, like those people have taught me so much about the gospel. They've taught me so much of resilience. They've taught me so much like if you don't preach the gospel correctly to them, you're going to miss the whole point of the Bible. If you let somebody who is intentionally doing evil without repentance and give them the gospel like you've missed the whole point of the bible and so not only do i feel like that's the primary person that i hope that i can help and listen to but that's the primary person who's taught me theology uh how to correctly divide law and gospel so um i it breaks my heart if anybody would uh empower an abusive person and dismiss a victim which it, it does it happens all the time we we tend to to always take the wrong side and in lots of different places mm-hmm. uh, not just in the church what were you gonna were you gonna say something matt oh I, I was just gonna um i was just gonna agree with what what you said i think about um like i i think there, there's a there's a level of separation even between what we think Satan is and what he actually is. And, you know, I think if Sam Smith knew what the devil was... Yeah, right. 
you know, that's a horrifying, horrifying creature out there. You know, he's he's not dressing up as as actual Satan. He's dressing up as kind of a cultural representation of of it's kind of it's it's I don't know. You know, Satan's the, is the ultra villain, but you know, there there's lots of different um, portrayals of of evil that have taken kind of a turn because our culture has like. We've talked about like anti-heroes and 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 everyone loves the villain like mm-hmm. Captain Hook mm-hmm. and um, um, H- uh, Hades right from uh, what's the Hercules Hercules yeah mm-hmm. and and H- and there's like there's sort of this glamorous like sort of devious and it's like that's not real evil right yeah. that's not, not really real what evil, evil the way is. that we understand sure. it right you know and so it's it's just playing sort of like a villainous uh, a cartoon almost character. Which is just sort of, which is almost beloved, but is not really, it's not evil. Sure. I just, I don't know. That's not a helpful message either, you know? Oh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. I think it's stupid. Yeah. I I guess (laughs) I, you know, every movie, every song, every piece of art is telling a message. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, like, so what, what truth are you trying to uncover with this art? And and sometimes, you know, like they're being, they do know they, they are, they have something, they might not tell you, they might want you to come up with it on your own. And sometimes when they say, well, you know, there is no clear message or, or whatever, that's also telling a message that we live in a world that's ambiguous and there is no answer and, you know, the kind of the postmodern message. So, so I just would like to know, like, what... What are you trying to portray? What are you trying to teach us about reality that you, through this art? Um, I would argue that Sam Smith, and, and I don't know this, but I have, a, yeah, I have a feeling like you said, Matt, he probably does not really understand the actual threat. Right. I mean, I feel that I understand it, you know, to a degree, and I, w- I would not dress up like that. Yeah. Be, you know, because of that. Right. But I think if you're somebody, you know, kind of, you know, if we're going to Sam Smith and going, getting to you know where he's at, I don't think he fully understands right. the true right danger. Yeah, and I think that's for me that's scary because the yeah the devil is behind all those horrible things that that we were talking about and the ongoing battles that people fight because of of, of abuse and of of evil. So, but again, I think the reason this guy, this Episcopalian priest, yeah. Put the two together is sure. because the criticisms, or well, I should say the the response sure. for both Sam Smith's, uh, you know, devil worship sure. and the ignoring of abuse are coming from the same camp, sure. and that's that's why he he put those two things together. I think there are more and more Christians who are finally waking up to res- you know talking about this and actively not enough, uh, but. The Me Too movement, I think, got people to say, like, we need to talk about this and we need to respond to it. It's just, well, who's got the resources to actually call something evil, work with forgiveness? You're not going to find all those resources in secular philosophy or psychology. So I, I, I hope... It, is, it breaks my heart whenever there's a cover-up. It breaks my heart whenever... Um, because there's sinful people inside the, and outside the church. It's just too bad that when it's a representative of the church. So, yeah. Do you have anything further on that, Matt? 
Should we go on to the next TikTok? Yeah, I was going to say this kind of segues a little bit into another another one of these. Um, uh, Christy Dot Burke. She uh, is a content creator, very staunch deconstruction advocate. Um, and we, I think we actually have reviewed one of hers before. Oh. And she is arguing that she's doing what Jesus wants, if he exists. She's doing what he wants by leaving the church because the church is full of Pharisees, and that's mm. that's the group that Jesus condemned, and so therefore she feels that she is, uh, you know, if he exists, she's he's not mad at her for doing it. Okay. So you want to listen? Here we go. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, you're right about one thing. I was a part of a generation that was raised to be a Christian. I was raised in a home that taught me to love like Jesus, not judge others. What would Jesus do? And I was taught that the only people that Jesus judged and condemned were the Pharisees, the ultra-religious, the people who were using their religion as a uh, prop to condemn others, to judge others, to feel superior to others. And so I got to a point and I'm like, who's acting like Jesus and who's acting like the Pharisees? And I looked around and I realized that everyone in the church was acting like the Pharisees, walking around, praying in the streets, telling people they'd pray for them, even though Jesus said not to do that, judging people, condemning people, voting against basic human rights. And I thought, those are the people that Jesus condemned. Those are the people that Jesus didn't like. And so now this church that taught me to be like Jesus, what would Jesus do? Well, I'm doing what Jesus do and I'm turning my back on the Pharisees. So no, it wasn't hate that drove me away. It was my love, it was my empathy, and it was my realization that all of those people I left behind, that church I left behind, was full of people that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with. And now I realize that if Jesus does exist, he's not mad at me for leaving behind the Pharisees. He's not mad at me for using the brain he gave me, using the heart he gave me, and following my intuition. He's the creator, and he's the one that put me there, and he does truly love me. He's not mad at me. He's mad at them. So y'all need to refocus. There were many things wrong with that. but Powerful words. <laughs> Let's hear it, Matt. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think it was like the first or second sentence. She said that the only people that Jesus condemned were the Pharisees. I don't think that's true. Because I remember him saying something like, if you're a tax collector, don't extort people. If you're a soldier, mm-hmm. or no, if you're a soldier, don't bully people. Yeah. Take your pay and be be content with mm-hmm. that. And John the Baptist said that, but that's definitely same oh. same message from. Oh, see, I don't know what I'm talking. That's about. okay. No, it's same same thing. Yeah, I thought I thought that was Sermon on the Mount, but nope. And are we not supposed to pray? Tell people we're going to pray pray for them, or I think that's a caricature of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know. Don't do your acts to be seen by people, you know, to go out in the, if your motive, and, and I, the, I think the idea behind that is like, if you're trying to do it to be seen, don't do it. I see. But Jesus definitely prayed in public. Oh. So, you know, it's not wrong. Right. Uh, but why are you doing it? It's so all her, about the heart. The facts are a little, she's yeah. por- portraying it as he said not to do it. Not that he said, exam- you know, check your right. motives or whatever. I guess the question I have, um, when it comes to deconstruction, like, all right, if you're going to knock down the foundation you are standing on, what do you build on top of that? Like, all right, if I were following you, you spent a lot of time telling me what's wrong. What, what do you want me to do now? So where do you want me to go? Where, where do I find community? What, what am I going to be following? Uh, what's going to be better? Um, 
because every time we try to come up with like a utopian society or, you know, we mm-hmm. can do all this, it's a human problem. It's not a just a church problem. Um, and I don't, if I would go to her church, is everyone really a Pharisee in that church? Is everyone really condemning? Is Probably everyone very... Not. And I guess that, that that's the question is sometimes I... Um, she probably had some bad experiences, and I'm, I'm really sad about that. Whenever I teach the church uh, to our young people or, or in general, I draw two circles. There is and kind of a, a Venn diagram. Uh, there are people inside of the Holy Christian Church who believe in Jesus, who attend church, who are true Christians, and there are people outside the visible church because they got burned or something happened that are also Christians. But there are also people who are members of a visible church who are hypocrites. So you, th- that's all there. Um, and at the end of the day, that's going to be revealed by Jesus. And he did spend a lot of time condemning the Pharisees and those religious leaders, but he also had a group of, he was also forming a church with his disciples. Um, a, a gathering of people and the early Christian church formed um, as a group of people. So, yeah, I, I think if you want to spend your time pointing out all the things that are wrong in the church or all the things that are wrong with Christianity, like you, you can find it. I What's mean, the but replacement. You, yeah. What? So, what do you what are you going to build that has that kind of that that that's going to be you know with Scientology? Is that where we're going? I mean, <laughs> well, I think her disgust seems to be with like other people and their right so sure. like christian people sure and i mean i guess every one of us really is a hypocrite like at some level you know at some level right mm-hmm. some are more more some are maybe worse than others i don't know but um so i think they're just her disgust is with with other people sure and you know that they saying that they you know presumably she she mentions basic human rights which i would assume she's talking about maybe gay marriage and things sure. like that um so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where I was going with that. So go on. I was going to say, Jesus. I feel like Jesus just he he laid down the hard truth sometimes. Like mm-hmm. he showed love to the outsiders mm-hmm. for sure, but you know he also you know the woman he said you know go and sin no more mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. to the prostitute to the prostitute. He said go and but um and then also the guy he heals from blindness right. Mm-hmm. He says so. Also, should you? Um, and I'm just, I'm just thinking like there, or or the um, the money changers mm-hmm. was another one. I mean, that was like some people needed some people needed a, a slap on the wrist, and and some people needed grace. And mm-hmm. and he he walked that line, and yeah. he also befriended some of the Pharisees, and he did you know he didn't hate all of them and condemn all of them. Yeah. We we use the term like pharisaical, like we use that as like a caricature now, but that probably doesn't mean every single one of them was the same. No, the Pharisees start out as a good movement, actually, like 60 years before Jesus. They were the ones who cleansed the temple, kicked out the Greeks, uh, tried to hold strong to the faith. But with any movement, uh, they can get more fanatical over time. And so it started out as, you know, like, hey, let's let's do the right thing. Let's hold to the truth. Let's... Let's return to the temple. Let's tr- return to God's word, and then over time, they started getting arrogant and self-righteous and self-centered, which can happen in any movement. I think the 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 reason I think it's so valuable that we spend some time talking about this is because you, I think a young person 
well, any age, but especially a young person can watch that TikTok. There's no dialogue. There's no context. They can't see that that's a straw man argument that like, I'm leaving because all the people are Pharisees and I'm not a Pharisee. Okay. So you have it all together and everybody in your church was a total Pharisee. And, and there's no way to, to ask that question. And so I, I'm thinking about my kids probably watching stuff like that. And, they, and so I just think it's very important that on this podcast, around the kitchen table, we, we ask some harder questions. Like, is that really true? Is it really true that... And, and even that point about not judging. Well, she's judging all the people inside of the church. And Jesus didn't say... He did say, you should... Do not judge with the measure you judge, it'll be measured to you. Then he goes on to clarify. He says, well, here's what I actually mean. Before you judge, you know, make sure you take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye. We need to judge. I mean, if somebody, if you don't judge somebody, you're going to get stomped all over. Like Jesus said, be as wise as snakes and innocent as doves make make sure you you're you're wise like you you look at people and assess who they really are just don't judge he's against judgmentalism where we look down on other people so um and and yeah she's making a judgment call Mm -hmm. her decision she had to make a judgment on her circumstances and on people right Using using the if he exists, using the brain and the heart and the intuition that he gave her. Yeah, you know because hers is better than everyone else's. Yeah, so so I I, I think it's really it's really too bad that that she went through a bad experience and um and I think we have to acknowledge that and and be honest about that and and I wonder you know wonder what it was you know did she she have gay friend or she had herself or something went through a hard time or was there abuse and she went to her pastor and the pastor said you know offhanded comment and then she that stuck with her and then she you know that's what i kind of hear it happens with a lot of deconstruction it's just the christian church and even you know its foundation on the hebrew scriptures and we're talking going back five thousand six thousand years of history of refining and and uh, learning and adapting to situations and, and, and understanding human nature over thousands of years and how to respond to it with, with the law and the gospel. And now I'm going to deconstruct all of that and I'm going to come up with something better in, in my short lifespan? What, what are you going to build on? What, what's better? So that's always the question I have. Where, all right, where are you going to go? I think as uh, Christians, we get real jazzed about the gospel pretty easily, um, and you, we kind of forget that for the outsider who doesn't know what the gospel is, Christianity is not about the gospel. To sure. them, it's about the law. It's sure. about behavior. Yeah. And so um, we obviously are hyper aware of our own behavior, but the, you know, you just have to be hyper conscious also of how that is... Uh, uh, affecting other people because right. actions do speak louder than words and then not that you're not going to sin but you need to know when you need to apologize or ask for forgiveness or, or be humble and take a step back because again if you're not a christian the gospel doesn't exist which means everybody is living under the law which means everybody can and should be judged by their behavior which all is a the terrible time. way to live all the time yeah but there's no alternative um i know 
people, kind of the big example of of forgiveness uh, and what the the power of Christianity, two big examples is Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu, um, their response to the apartheid and, and how they... Nelson Mandela being in jail, I think it was 18 years, and then responds with forgiveness. And then they were willing to uh, to stop the decades of violence with Christ's forgiveness. The other one would be uh, Martin Luther King Jr., um, peaceful protesting because he believed in the gospel, he believed in forgiveness. And then you hear this, you know, all sorts of different circumstances where there's been a murder, there's been violence, and the victims... They still demand justice and that the, the person can't hurt anybody anymore. They go to jail, but they don't hold the grudge of anger. They don't continue the cycle of violence. And so you're right. I mean, I think the gospel is something we, we don't have. We don't have gospel outside of Christianity. There's no mechanism for it. There's no, all you have is the law. All you have is, is justice and, and uh, making sure people pay the penalty right now. And that doesn't work in our ju- you know, it doesn't work in society, this never-ending cycle of violence, and it doesn't work in our own relationships. If there is no forgiveness, how do you stay married? If there is no forgiveness, how do you, how do you function in any friendship? You, you're, you're constantly, I, I talk about this with our kids, like, if you are a friend of somebody long enough, you're going to get in a fight. <laughs> if you're married long enough or dating somebody long enough, you're going to get in a fight. And if you don't have forgiveness, you don't have the ability to say, I'm sorry and I forgive you, you're not going to be able to have any real relationships. And I think that's kind of where we're at a society, and it's too bad. If you kick Christianity out, you don't have that mechanism for forgiveness. Because there's no cross. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to people just being, you know, disgusted with, uh, and or, or using, you know, uh, Christian, the behavior of Christians mm-hmm. um, to deconstruct their own faith and whatnot. Um, I think that, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Somebody else talk. One thing that we we talked about a little bit on 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 the podcast before is, yeah, who who of us, inside or outside the church, is pulling it off? Like, all right, so again, are we supposed to follow you? Like, do you have it all put together? Is there anything about your life that you don't want everyone to follow? Is there anything about your life that's hypocritical? Is there anything about your life that that needs forgiveness and that's the part is, you, you know, when somebody leaves a church and says they're going to start their own church, do you think you really have figured it out? Like, you're the one that has um, all the righteousness and doesn't need the forgiveness? So, I don't know. Did you get your straight um, Kind of. I think, well, that's why I think it's really important that, you know, we continue to try to break these stereotypes that people have, sure. such as, um, you know, some of these other TikToks, and I, I don't know if we'll really have time to get to them or not, but... Um, some of these other other TikToks, you know, the uh, one one gal says um, she cites thought terminating cliche. The use of thought terminating cliches. So when when somebody who is giving a counterpoint to Christianity or they've got questions, tough questions, um, they're met with and even interrupted with things like, "Well, God works in mysterious ways." You know, "Oh, we got got to have faith." You know, "This is God's plan," which you know, man can't understand. And so there, there's so that's one kind of behavior that I think. Uh, you know, people who are deconstructing their own faith, they they see that behavior and they they use that and they say, well, I'm not allowed to ask questions. Am I not allowed to to sure. struggle? Um, nope. You just got to have faith. You just you know you got to have faith. 
And then um, just some other like Christian isms, like, well, I love them, but not their sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it seems like people, and it's kind of a juxtaposition because like, you know, people don't want to hear that, that they're wrong or that it's mm-hmm. sinful. Mm-hmm. And, but just because they don't want to hear it doesn't mean we shouldn't say it. And then, but also like, do we need to say it? Does that make sense? What I just asked. Yeah, I th- I think what I the Apostle Paul. I think it's in First Corinthians five where he says, "Who am I to judge the world? Uh, judge people inside of the church." You know, if you if we all agree we're Christians, we 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 agree with God's word, and we want to be held accountable to that, and that includes being forgiven. But if I would start acting out of line of what I say I believe, I would hope you guys would say, "Hey." Stop it! You're you say you're a Christian, but you're not living like one. Now, somebody who's outside the Christian faith, they don't have that commitment. They they're not saying I believe this, and they're not um, they don't they're not living under that that desire to honor God or to to follow Him or to be in line, be a follower of Jesus, follow what He says and does. Um, and so, I don't have any reason to hold them to that standard. I mean, I could maybe address their conscience. I could talk about, you know, them breaking the law of the state. They're still under, you know, gov- government laws, but they're not understand under Christ law in, in that same sense. So uh, we really, I mean, in essence, as Christians, we really don't need to make remarks about people's, uh, you know, same-sex marriage no, but like I do to think them and say like, well, you're, no. you're not working under God's design. Correct. I, I don't know. If that's probably not helpful to, to start there. Well, I don't think we. I don't think no. we should. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't help. And they're they're not under. They're not. That's not where you start. Um, the question, you know, with any of these foundational things with the family or human life or whatever, uh, applying to a conscience, like, is this good for society as whole? A whole, like, is this the best way for for society to? Thrive, thrive, yeah, and flourish, and and appeal to history, and appeal to conscience, and if you're going to talk about like governmental policy things like that, like you, yeah, you're not going to bring in the Christian faith and say this is why we need this law, or this is what because of what the Bible says, uh, because they're not living under that that law um, or under underneath that truth. But yeah, as Christians, we do want to not hypocritically, but we want to live lives that that uh that are in line with what we say and when we fall out of line there is forgiveness and there is repentance but yeah it's a waste of time to try to make somebody you know we have different laws here in our country than other countries and to go over to another country and tell them to abide by our speed limit laws like to go tell the brits to drive on the right side of the road would not make sense because they're not part of our they're not, they're they're not citizens here, and I think that that's kind of what we're saying about Christianity. Like you're not a in the sense how Paul talks, a citizen of heaven. You're not a you you don't identify as a a child of God, a a Christian. And so why would we ask you to live underneath the kingdom of Jesus? Well, and I get the impression that this Christie person, in her talk about the Pharisees at her church. Sure were you know were prob- might ha- might have been uh making comments you know things a lot to me i that's the sense that i get where where she may have experienced these pharisees in her church 
you know, going out and, and telling, mm-hmm. you know, same sex couples like this isn't God's design. Yeah. And that's, you know, in her mind, that was her, you know, that was not what Jesus, you know, what Jesus would have done per se. Sure. And so she walked away from it. So, I mean, I don't know what yeah. her specific experience was. We don't have Jesus interacting a ton with people outside of the the Jewish kind of faith. So he could hold them to account to the, the Jewish see. scriptures. But we do have like Paul. And when Paul is talking to Greeks, he's appealing to nature. He's appealing to their conscience. Uh, he isn't necessarily appealing to God's word to begin. Like, And I think that's the, the law is written on our hearts. And so I think if you're trying to make an argument or a case, if, if you see somebody going in a bad way, uh, that's where you would appeal. Like, does this is this really making sense to your own heart? Uh, does, is this really is this really causing your life to flourish? That's maybe how you would talk instead of this is what the Bible says. Yeah. Matt, do you have anything to say? Matt, are you going to watch? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? That's my question. Uh, probably Team A. <laughs> <laughs> the green team. Uh, probably the green. I, I have no idea who's playing. Yeah. Well, that was a pretty heavy, heavy conversation. I thought I would lighten up a little bit. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you rooting for? You know, I think Kansas City. Kansas just, City. That's what I was. They thinking. win all the time, but listen, I love Travis Kelsey. Okay, yeah, he's, he's the the tight end for the Chiefs. So yeah, yeah, I knew that one. Yep. No, you didn't. <laughs> so, are you rooting for the Eagles? Or are you rooting for Kansas? City? Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of Kansas City always doing well. Okay. Like, you know, you just be nice to see something else. Yeah. 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 So, I've heard people say they can't stomach the Eagles because of their fans. So that's why they're rooting for Kansas City. Oh. Do you think that's do you think you should judge a team by their fans? There's a there's a question for Sometimes, you. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard Green Bay fans are kind of uh <laughs> They're goofy, right? Yeah. Wearing cheese on their heads. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have to say about that. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.